Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Jewish Reaction, presented by the OU, the Orthodox Union, right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Eli Hagler. I'm the Associate Director of Yachad, and we have a very nice and enjoyable and meaningful show uh, coming up for you today. Hoping everybody's coming off um, an inspiring Rosh Hashanah, just a few days until Yom Kippur comes this uh, coming Shabbos. Um, I'm excited to once again be joined by what has now become and will hopefully continue to be an annual show on the show right before Yom Kippur with Rabbi Stephen Weil, who is the Managing Director of the OU. Uh, Rabbi Weil, welcome to the Jewish Reaction. Oh, what a wonderful honor it is to be here. A gemar tov to a you and to all to you, our listeners. To everyone out there. Um, Rabbi, before we talk a little more in-depth about Yom Kippur, maybe just share some overall themes or messages or takeaways from... Uh, the mocks, or whether it be either Rosh Hashanah and or Yom Kippur. Thank you. I'll tell you, but we'll pick a few scattered samplings. You know, we, we talk about this, Slach Lanu, Mechal Lanu, Kaper Lanu. One thing about the rabbis, they weren't Chaucer or Shakespeare. So if they were going to use multiple terms, it wasn't for the sake of synonyms. Each has a unique, distinct nuance. And those three terms really give us an insight into the whole nature of what we go through this time of year. Mechal lanu, mechila, I'll give you an example. If, if I owe you $1,000, Ellie, and you forgive the debt, that's mechila. What's mechal lanu respond to? When we sin, whether it's a function of speech, action, improper thoughts, there's a consequence. We know there's a consequence to our actions. We speak about that on Zichronus Rosh Hashanah. What we ask for the Almighty is for forgiveness of that consequence, forgiveness, so to speak, of the debt. What's slach lanu? Sin has two components. One is it generates a consequence, but the other is, I'll give you an example, if I lie, if I, tell, if I engage in activities that are not truthful, what's happened to my psyche or my personality is I've blurred the lines between what is true and what is honest. I myself don't have that nuance and that subtlety and that sensitivity to real integrity. So there's been a corruption to my personality. I'll give you an example. Let's say that I, I have anger management issues. So it's not just that I was got angry at you and I hurt you, that I have to ask you forgiveness, I have, have to ask the Almighty forgiveness. But now there's a, a flaw in my personality. So what is salicha? We're not just at looking for forgiveness that we don't get punished. We're not just looking for forgiveness that there shouldn't be consequences to our actions. We're looking to transform our personalities. And I'll give you an example. Those terms, mechalanu versus slachlanu, which we say every day in the Amidah, you know what they're related to? The famous verse of the Torah that we say maybe 10, 12 times on Yom Kippur. What is yechaper and what's letaher? What's kapara and tara? So the Rav gave a famous, uh, a famous tshuva drasha. Kapara, again, is the forgiveness of the consequence. Tara is a transformation. What's Tara in a mikvah? Total immersion, total transformation of the personality. We're trying to, so to speak, remove that, that baggage, that scar tissue in our psyche. And then what's the last line? Mechal lanu, there's slach lanu, what's kaper lanu? So we have this notion that, I'll use an analogy. If you and I pollute the waters or pollute the lakes, so there's a ramification to that. It's not just that we did something wrong. The fish are going to die. You can't use that water for drinking water. There's a certain, there's a toxicity level now in, in the environment. To use that analogy, that's what Kaperlan is referring to here. When we sin, it has cosmic ramifications. 
I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. Just like you and I can't defy the laws of physics that God laid out, meaning if I try to jump off the Empire State Building, it's not going to happen. I'm going to go splat. So too, if I defy God by violating the ethical moral law, there's consequence. That pollutes, that, that violates the atmosphere, the environment of the universe. So what we ask for is the corruption that we've done on a cosmic level also should be corrected. There's forgiveness from sin, transformation of personality, and also the cosmic ramifications. That's just one line that we say in, in the Avidui, in the confessional. Let me ask you a question, actually. I think a little bit built on what you were just saying about focusing on one line. What's the whole image or message, let's say, behind spending the whole day in shul? Much of what we're saying is really just text on paper to many people because, myself included, we don't have enough or a full understanding of what each tefillah is really asking for and its impact on today, on Yom Kippur. It's more of davening as a whole, this is what we do. Why the concept of spending whole day in shul saying tefillos that either don't mean what they should to us or don't have that same impact on us that they were meant to? Or maybe they do, and it's just me. Yeah. No, I think you're, you're absolutely right. First of all, Rosh Hashanah is more difficult than Yom Kippur, but Yom Kippur in itself is not simple. It's, it takes a lot of work. You know, if I could use an analogy, to a certain degree, the Siddur is more difficult because of the complexity and the subtlety and nuance of the ideas. It's probably more difficult than certain Masechtas, certain Gemaras that we learn. You know, it's, the, the rabbis created this fascinating tapestry with a lot of subtlety, nuance, a lot of great theological insight. But it's not simple. Some of it is. I mean, I'll give you an example. When you and I get hit by Unasana Tokif, everybody perks up for Unasana Tokif because it's, it's raw, it's clear, you, it is what it is. It is what it says. I'm not saying it's not deeper, but it grabs us. Many of the other tefillos, just the work you have to do on the language makes it a challenge. I mean, I'll give you a simple example. Like you say, we say it, we stand the whole day in shul. Two things that we keep repeating over and over again. The Yud Gimel Midos Harachami. What? Is God deaf? He didn't hear it the first time? And by the way, think about how many times we say it during the Elah. How many times we say it during Kal Nidre. Ideally, it should be said in each, there should be Slichos as part of each of the davenings. And that's why many of us follow the Rav. We add Yud Gimel Midos into Shachris, into Musaf and Mincha as well. But what's the idea? It's not just that we're saying these words. We're trying to, like a battering ram, we're trying to ram home these ideas. When you and I say Yud Gimel Midos Arachimim, it's not that God's actions are this way, but we have a mitzvah, this macro principle, v'halach the bidrachav, to walk in God's ways, to become a godly human being. It sounds much better in Latin, imitatio dei, you know, to, to imitate the ways of the Almighty. So what's the idea? By saying it over and over and over again, what are we doing? We're not just saying it. We're trying to become empathetic human beings, chanun. We're trying to become sympathetic human beings, rachum. We're trying to become tolerant, patient human beings. Erechapayim, Rav Chesed. We're not always being such sticklers. I, got, I have this coming. But the notion of going above and beyond the letter of the law in our relationships with family, with employees, with others, that's Rav Chesed. The whole idea of, of no se avon fesha v'chata'a, the three different types of sin, the whole notion of, of bearing and being. If, if the, we're asking the Almighty to bear our sins and to be tolerant, the ability that we have to be forgiving and bear others with their flaws, their warts and pimples and inadequacies. 
So the idea of saying it over and over again, it's trying to ram home the notion that we are changing our personality. We're becoming godlike. We're trying to imitate that. And the notion that's being rammed home is we're ramming it home for ourselves. We're not. It's not that God's deaf and doesn't hear that we're saying the same things over and over again. It's more for us, internally, for us to realize. Exactly. And that's the purpose of prayer. Prayer is about is ultimately about a God, transformation. God doesn't need our prayers. Exactly. It's for us. Yes, we, that's right. It's the transformation of our attitude, of our perspective, of our personality. I mean, I'll give you one that we say all the time, the viduyim. You ever notice that there's a viduy hakatsar, ashamnu, bagadnu, gazalnu, you know, one word for each letter of the alphabet, the short viduy, and then there's viduy ha'aruch, al-chait shechatanu lefanecha. So what happens? Uh, the viduy ha'aruch, the Rav said, Rabbi Soloveitchik said, that's referring to specific mistakes, specific things that I said. It's dealing with details, you know, and I have to confess, and I have to try to want to change that. What's the vidoya katsar? That's personality issues. That's, that's character traits. And that sometimes is much more difficult to change. Words, let, let's say I have a foul mouth. So I stop saying filthy words, okay? I clean up my, the details of what I say. But am I thinking filthy? I mean, have I become a, a healthier person? Have I become a more pure person? Or am I still, you know, I'm not saying it, but my attitude still is thinking still it. thinking it. That's Vido Hakatsar. It's attitudes. It's what we say, midot. Another thing, fascinating. You ever notice when you and I say the Vido privately, we're bent over, we're beating our chest, we're crying over some of it because some of the things when we think about what we've done, we just, we're humiliated by it. We're, we're embarrassed about how, how depraved we've become. But somehow when it comes to the vidui harabim, not vidui of the individual, the yachid, but the communal, we're all singing, ay, 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 ay. I mean, do you ever think about what the translation is? We're a bunch of liars. We're, we are bankrupt. We are duplicitous. Ay, 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 ay. What are we singing? Why are we so triumphant about that? In that tune, it actually goes all the way back to the early German Rishonim. So what's the idea there? You and I as individuals standing before God, we're scared to death because we failed ourselves, we failed our loved ones, we failed, you know, God. But as a community, it's a different story. Why? We have a covenant. That's the whole story of the very first Yom Kippur. The Yud Gimel Midos, Bris Krusa Lefani, the covenant that the Jewish people, no matter how many mistakes we make, through providence, God will enable us to continue. God will enable our survival. All that we've been through, we will find a way as a nation, as a people, to correct ourselves. We're under specific providence. And that tune, even though we've made mistakes and we've done some terrible things, there's an optimism, there's a confidence that the Jewish people will survive, will be forgiven, and that the Jewish people will improve and move forward. However, as an individual, no such guarantee, no such covenant, and that's why the whole psyche and the whole mentality of the person saying the individual confession is radically different than the communal confession. That's really interesting. I never heard that before. Uh, you're listening to The Jewish Reaction right here on the Nachum Siegel Network, presented by the OU, the Orthodox Union. My name is Elliot Hagler. I'm the Associate Director of Yacha, and I'm being joined by Rabbi Stephen Weil, uh, the Managing Director of the OU. Uh, Rabbi Weil, every year you host uh, an explanatory minion on both Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur at Keter Torah at the Romer Shul. Uh, in Teaneck. Talk a little bit about the experience and the interaction that you have with the congregants during the tefillah. 
Yeah, it's fascinating. When Rabbi, when Rabbi Shalom Baum, the Rabbi of Ketra Torah, when he envisioned this, the idea was, let's have a, you know, for a chance for beginners. What's happened, this is our fifth year doing this, you know, we go, we, we may take out certain piyutim, but we cover all of the davening. I'd say of the close to 200 people that attend, almost the large majority are actually observant Jews from different congregations throughout Bergenfield, Teaneck, New Milford. Uh, and we get a chance to explore the machzer, you know, and to learn it together and to daven together. Just to give you like a fascinating, you know, insight, what what happens. Here we've been building up from Chodesh Elul and Rosh Hashanah and Asar Shemei finally the apex of Yom Kippur. You get to like Mafter Yonah. Why did the rabbis choose that one? What, 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 what was he told to do? To go to the great, great civilization, Ashur, Syria, which is today's Turkey, Syria, and Iraq. It was the great Mesopotamian civilization to the capital city of Nineveh. What is, what's the point? That the Jew, we might be the only ones who fast on Yom Kippur. We might be the ones who observe the mitzvot because we were commanded to observe those mitzvot. But Yom Kippur is a universal day. Rosh Hashanah is a universal holiday. So what happens? We get these Jews living in this modern Orthodox ghetto called Teaneck with its environs of New Milford and Bergenfield. And what happens is we get out of our ghetto. We get out of that, you know, small-minded psyche, and we take responsibility for humanity. We stand up and say, this year, I'm not just responsible for my family and my clique. I'm responsible to civilization and humanity. Because there's a breadth to what the rabbis are teaching us about what the role of the Jewish people is and what their responsibility is to the rest of civilization. And that manifests itself through many examples. The second paragraph of Aleinu, Alkei Nekave, it manifests itself through the Zichronos, Allah Medinos, Boyamer, that every civilization is judged, humanity in total is judged. But really at the culmination of Yom Kippur through Mafter Yonah. So we experienced that. It's very interesting. I think there are actually two points that I wanted to come back to, things that you had mentioned uh, earlier, just before we do, of course, we're going to play a selection from one of the uh, Yom Kippur and Yom Aseris Mechuvah themed CDs that we have.
Oh 
You're listening to the Jewish Reaction right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Eli Hagler. I'm the Associate Director of Yachad. And of course, we're presented by the OU, the Orthodox Union. And I'm being joined today by Rabbi Stephen Weil, the Managing Director of the OU. Uh, Rabbi Weil, going back to two points that we had mentioned earlier, uh, and this is something that actually touches upon the topic that we had last week. Last week, uh, when we had Rabbi Simon Posner from OU Press on, we were speaking a lot about the Rav and the fact that OU Press is working a lot on putting out um, the you know material on the works of the Rav. Now, you, we've been here now for you know 15 or so minutes, and you brought up the Rav twice. Why is it that in our world, in our Jewish world, the Rav is everyone, you know, basically the, the backbone of a lot of the teachings that we're working with now. I mean, you've mentioned it twice already. I'm sure it comes up a number of times using his machser and or his chumash and all these other sperm that are now out there that are based on the teachings of the Rav. What was it about the Rav that makes him that person in our community today? So the Rav, is it, keeping in mind that he gave, he taught and educated not only the students at uh, Rabbeinu Yitzhak Al-Khanan at Yeshiva University, but the community in Boston. And that, whether that was the school children in Maimonides, whether it was the adult population from uh, Roxbury, from Newton, from Brookline, of course, where Maimonides moved to, Brighton, all these, you know, you're talking on a Saturday night. It was, he used to joke, he said it was the most difficult cheer that he gave because he was competing with the movies after shots. <laughs> you know, and 150 people when Torah wasn't popular in 1967, 68, and he'd pack in the house. What did he do? Always before the holidays, he would analyze the theme of the Tvilos, whether it was the Rosh Hashanah Machs or the Yom Kippur Machs or all day, people from all over America used to come to Boston for Tishabov because he would analyze and teach the kinos. And what was brilliant about what the Rav did is it didn't do, he didn't do homiletics. The same rigor, the same insight that he applied, let's say, to a Rashi and Tosavis, to a Rambam in Masech the Shavuos or Bava Metziah, he applied that to the text and to the words of the Siddur, of the Machser, of the kinos. 
because of that, he opened up. There, there, there were texts that were just, you know, things that we said but didn't get that much out of. He opened them up. They went from being a closed book to an open book. And, and not only did he do that, but because the, the depth and the passion of many of the students, the men and women who went and attended those lectures, they in turn shared it with others, with their students, with their families, with their communities. So to a great degree, the reason he's quoted is because he saw that the American Jew, it was not simple to daven. It wasn't simple for the American Jew to pray. And, and he opened up the text for us over a period. We're not talking a couple of years. We're talking about over four decades. So there was so much that he said that whether it was the notes, whether it was the tapes, the lectures, they're gathered together. And, and I have to thank uh, Arnie Lustiger, who worked on our behalf and put them together for the, the Rabbi Soloveitchik Machser that, that we all use. So I, th- I think it's interesting that actually brings up, I think, the second question, that, I, which is very related to that, is we spoke a little earlier about focusing on, you know, a few words and the message that that carries over throughout the entire davening. You know, you, you brought up the example of Unasana Tokef. Why is that an impactful part of davening? Because you can read what it says. You know what you're saying. You know, right before, right after Unasana Tokef, when you say, Mi Yechia Mi Yamas, you know exactly what you're getting at and what you're saying. How is it, and what do we do, let's say, the rest of davening at parts that are less impactful, less meaningful, you know, more the quote-unquote run-of-the-mill tefillos, how do we maintain our awe, our um, emphasis, our passion toward during those parts of the tefillah as well? It's easy for anybody to be, you know, really going at it. You know, you got your talus over your head, really, really far over your head during an Isana Tokef. But then during other parts of davening, it's much harder to do that. You can't maintain that for five, six hours. So yeah. what, what's our mentality during the other parts of davening? When, like you said, look, the Rebbe was trying to make everything, you know, bring it to our level, even the less exciting or less impactful that we think, tefillos. What do we do during the rest of davening to try and maintain that and enhance and keep that level of passion and uh, prayer? So two ideas. One, I would say, is it's... Like, like anything else, it's the preparation in advance. In other words, his grandfather, Reb Chaim, who was the God Aldor, Reb Chaim Salavechik, always before Rosh Hashanah, before Yom Kippur, he spent time studying and learning and analyzing the Moxer. So today we have the commentary. We have the Rabbi Salavechik Moxer. I mean, here on OUTorah.org, I think it's under the holiday section. So I took a, you know, I've got a few lectures on, on explaining Rosh Hashanah Moxer, the Yom Kippur Moxer, um, Thursday evening, I'm sorry, I believe it is Wednesday evening, I'm going to be speaking at Noam, you know, for the parent the body, at Yeshiva at Noam. Um, we try to do this, and we try to encourage the rabbis of the OU shuls to, to have seminars teaching this. Um, but it, really, it's an issue of, of sitting down, preparing, working on it, work, working on it in advance. That's number one. Number two is the advantage to being in shul all day is that you can actually have time to sit and read the commentary. So even while you're in shul, you can you can use it. Um, I want to share. Can I can I share one idea that's, that that bothered the rav and that bothers all of us? You get to the culmination at Neila, and it says, "What's the issue that that we plead before God?" Laman nechdal meoshek yadenu. Literally, that we God, we hope that this year we will cease. From the fact that we've you know withheld we've held assets or talents, Oshek is if I owe you money, let's say you work for me and I don't pay you, you babysat for me or you're an employee of me, 
there's two types of stealing. I could go and steal from you, which is called gizela. Oshik is I withhold funds that you're entitled to. So, so that's the, by the way, I mean, as Jews, look, we have challenges. Lashon Hara is a challenge. Um, with the world out there, the, the images we see of women, lo that's a challenge. You know, maybe not davening with kavana, as you've articulated, is a challenge. There's a lot of things we have challenges. I don't think the typical man or woman sitting in shul on Yom Kippur is guilty right. of withholding funds, of stealing from people. You know what I'm saying? Maybe some people there didn't pay their taxes the way they should have. Maybe they, they That's withheld. That's not necessarily an overarching theme in the Jewish, yeah. in the Jewish world. It's just not. There's, of all the challenges we face, that's not the pinnacle. Why, why is it? So, so the Rav was bothered by that. And he said, it really is, because it's, we misunderstood it. We applied Oshek from the financial world, but he said there's something much more profound here. And this is the whole theme of what Chana said about her child. He's, he's not my child. This baby Shmuel, he's on loan from God. This is what Avraham taught us about his child. And this is a, the, one of the most crucial points we make. It doesn't just mean that, that, that juridically God owns the earth. Of course that's true. He created it, he owns it. You create something, you own it. Ladoshem means it's consecrated, it's dedicated. What's the idea? Take Ellie Hagler, okay? I have the honor of working with you, an extremely talented person, extremely fascinating personality, a man with a great IQ, a man who's got a body, he's got an IQ, he's got assets. I know we could do a better job paying you, you could have more <laughs> assets, but he has some assets. And take, take Ellie Hagler, You're, you, you've got time, God gave you a year's worth of time. You've got a body, you've got an IQ, you've got a personality, you've got talents. So what we acknowledge on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, and that defines our year, they're not mine. Your IQ is a function of the genetics of the sperm and egg of your parents. You didn't create that IQ. Your assets, we have the Gemara, Mizonosav Shal Adam Kitsuvim Rosh Hashanah Rosh Hashanah. Those assets were something that you were judged for on Rosh Hashanah. Your personality, it's a function of your mother and father. You have great parents. It's a function of the community you were raised in, the education you received at help. It's a function of your community. It's not something that you created alone. A child, we know, gimel shutfin ba'adam, right? It is biologically the chances of a, of a child being born after, when you look at all the what's required, talk to your wife who's a physician, it's almost impossible. There's a, there's a third shutaf who facilitates that. So what's the point? If God, like, imagine a portfolio manager. Imagine, you know, when, when you invest your, your retirement portfolio, your assets, that portfolio manager has to abide by your proclivities and by your will. You, the owner of the assets, because it's not his assets. It's So, too, that all of these talents that we have are not ours. God made us into a portfolio manager. And he told us to transform and use our abilities and talents to make the Jewish people a better people, to make humanity a better humanity, to improve Jewish education, to help those. Th- there are certain elderly people who need help. There are other people as you, the work, the God's work that you do in Yachad. And you know what? You got two choices. You can usurp that and you can trash it and use it for your own purposes. Or ultimately you can take those talents, that time, those assets, that IQ, that personality, and, and you can consecrate it and you can dedicate it to making this world a better place.
And that's the question. Are you going to do what Avram did? Are you committed to making this world a better place? Do you look at your child the way that Shmuel, I'm sorry, that Hannah looked at Shmuel? Or is it all about narcissism and selfishness? Well, that's the internal question that we all need to ask ourselves. I guess the hard part is actually realizing that that's the question you need to be asking yourself. And that's the final confession. We, we, we plead before God that this year, the, the time you give us on this earth, we'll use, we're going to consecrate it. We're going to use it for very productive purposes. Our talents, we're not going to trash and throw away. And that, by the way, is the theme of the Sa'ir Lazazel. You know, it's a source of terrible anti-Semitism. They say, look at these stinking Jews. You know, they sin, 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 and then they throw a goat off the cliff. You know, like that, that, all the sins are called machulach. All their sins are forgiven. That's such a misunderstanding of Sa'ir Lazazel. The Rav explained, what's the idea? It all goes back to the Goral. You got two goats. This is a strange halacha. They have to be the same value, the same look, the same height, the same weight, the same size. Why? Why is it that one, one of those goats, exact same height, size, weight, look, goes into the Holy of Holies, and the other gets thrown off a cliff? Because we could have taken all of our talents and our wealth and our time, and we could have consecrated it. We could have brought it before God. We could have been his partner. We could have made this world a better place. And what happens on Yom Kippur? We acknowledge we threw it off a cliff. We acknowledge that we trashed it and we wasted it. And shame on us. That's Laman Nechdal Me'oshak Yadeinu. And the Chesed from Hashem is that if we acknowledge it was used, it was misappropriated, that we corrupted our abilities and our talents. If we acknowledge that and we're willing to consecrate it, that this coming year we'll take it into the Holy of Holies, we will be God's partner, then we're entitled to a Kapara, if we're sincere about that. That's the great insight of the Sa'ir Lazazel, how that works. You're listening to The Jewish Reaction right here on the Nachum Siegel Network, presented by the OU, the Orthodox Union. I'm being joined by Rabbi Stephen Weil, the Managing Director of the Orthodox Union. Uh, and just before we have uh, we begin our closing remarks here, there's another selection of music to get us uh, ready for the mood coming up of this weekend. <laughs>
listening to the Jewish Reaction right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Eli Hagler. I'm the Associate Director of Yachad. And I'm being joined by Rabbi Stephen Weil, uh, speaking about themes of uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Aseris and Mechuvah. Um Rabbi, with just a few minutes left, I had, I guess, another question, again, related to something that we had said earlier. Um, everything is about, you know, let's say, davening and praying and hoping for ourselves as well as the collective us as a Jewish people. Towards the end of Aseris Mitshuva and towards the end of Yom Kippur, what's our hope for, let's say, the coming year or going forward? Where do we go from here? We're all leaving shul, you know, this coming Motzei Shabbos, on a high. We just finished Neila, Dav and Marv, and then we're going home, and then tomorrow morning's just, you know, is now, quote-unquote, another Sunday. Um, you know, maybe because Sukkot is coming up, it might be easier because you're going right into another Yontif, but in general, what's our aim, what's our goal, what's our plan for the coming year, both collectively and individually? That's the question. Ellie, you hit, a, hit the bullseye there. During these days, if we can really be introspective, look at ourselves, what are our goals for ourselves over the course of the year? And granted, you can't always go from zero to 50. You know, it takes time to build up. What do we want to do educationally for ourselves? Our, our knowledge of, of Judaism, of God. What do we want to do in terms of the community? What do you and I have that makes you and I unique or distinct from any other person? And how can we take those talents and contribute them to the, to the community? And that means the Jewish community, our local community, the nation of Israel, and it means humanity. It also means our relationship with our spouse, our parents, our children, etc. And, and that requires really challenging introspection. Part of the introspective experience is going through the vidui, going through different aspects, you know, how we use the gift of speech, how we used our time, how we used our talents, etc. Um, but, but it's a very challenging cathartic experience. I want, I want to just throw back to the point we were making with Laman Nechtel Meoshek Yadenu. One of the great uh, tunes that are played here on, on your radio show is by the Katz family, the father of Shalom and the two sons Shlomo and Eitan. And they, they sing together from Slichos, something that we say multiple times this week as well as on Yom Kippur. Hanishamalach It's that acknowledgement that it's not my body, it's not my soul, I'm not the Balabas. But I've been blessed with the opportunity, whether it's 10 years, 50 years, 100 years, it's a small window of time to ultimately take that body and those talents, to take that soul and, and make this world a better place. But it's that acknowledgement that I'm nothing more than a portfolio manager. And, and what the path is for Ellie or for Steve Weil or for anyone who's listening out there, that requires a tremendous amount of introspection and thought. And it's, it's each person's responsibility unto themselves to see how can I better use my talents, my gifts, whatever it is that I've given to help the collective and myself individually. Um, you're listening to The Jewish Reaction right here on the Nachum Siegel Network, presented by the OU, the Orthodox Union. My name is Eli Hagler. I'm the Associate Director of Yachan, and I'm being joined by Rabbi Weil. Uh, Rabbi Stephen Weil is the Managing Director of the OU and also uh, hosts a uh, explanatory minion on both Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, uh, you can join Rabbi Weil at the explanatory minion at Keter Torah, uh, the Romer Shul in Tinek, uh, this coming Shabbos. What time? Great question. I, I'm not sure the exact time we start. <laughs> Sometime Shabbos morning? Uh, well, you can check with the Shul. Kol Nidre is probably, um, I guess. You do I'm a Kol Nidre also. Yeah, Kol Nidre is probably 610, and then probably Shabbos morning, I'm guessing, is somewhere around 815, 830, something like that. Very nice. So if you're interested, you should definitely consider uh, walking over and joining 
Uh, again, that's at the Romer Schultz, the explanatory minion. Uh, Rabbi Weil, we only have about a minute left, but maybe one last clothing, closing thought um, as we head into uh, Yom Hadin. Going back to something we said last year, Avinu Malkeinu. Our relationship with God, the Rav used to use the term dialectic. You have these two poles. Ahava, warmth, love, intimacy. But if that's all you are and there's no boundaries and respect, that's not a relationship. That's Avinu. Malkeinu, the sense of awe and reverence and respect and responsibility. But if that's all you have without the love, intimacy, the sense that this is my father, that like Shir Shirim, this is my partner, my soulmate, that's missing the point. What do we do? We oscillate. We oscillate between the love and, and yearning to be close with God and the sense of awe and respect and a sense of boundaries and responsibilities to the Almighty. It's, what did Rabbi Akiva say? Not just Avinu, not just Malkeinu, it's Avinu Malkeinu. Beautiful. Uh, with that in mind, we want to wish everybody an easy and meaningful fast. We want to wish everybody a Shana Tova from all of us at the OU and from the Nachum Siegel Network. And looking forward to a wonderful, enjoyable, and healthy new year. Mm-hmm.